Thank you for joining us today. The Word of God provides everything we need throughout our earthly existence. There is absolutely nothing that has, is, or will occur in our lives that is not covered by the blood of Jesus. Our sovereign God loves us so much that He created us in His own image and sacrificed His only begotten sinless Son to cover all of our sins. When we surrender our all to Him, we begin to experience the greatest love of all and become recipients of eternal life. Listen with Bible pen and paper handy as Pastor Rander ministers to us today. The government is not your friend. Oh, by the way, I, th- I said the other day in Bible study. See, some of y'all don't come to Bible study, so you don't know too much. You know, you, gotta, you, don't, come, you don't come to Bible study. You don't, too much of what I'm saying on Wednesday night. I'm not saying you not you don't know, but you just don't know what's going on there. <laughs> I feel pretty good today. Yep, y'all gonna let me preach. Three, four, three, three entities that's not your friend. It's the government and it's going to turn on you. Persecution going to set in. They're going to start taking your 501c3. They're going to, persecution going to come in. Some people are going to be raised up toward the end times. Don't you look at a politician. You better look to Jesus. Okay. And then the bank is not your friend. That's why we try to pay this mortgage off. Because you say, oh, I got good standing. They know my name at the bank. You walk in there and press down. I got a little prestige. I got a little all that. But let your money get funny now. <laughs> Just miss a couple of notes. And and all of a sudden, they'll come and padlock that plate, your house, put your stuff outside, and, 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 and resell it at a discount price. The bank is not your friend. Just don't pay and see how friendly they are. Y'all listening to me today. Thirdly, the devil is not your friend. The devil ain't your friend. He's your enemy. He's a liar. He's a con. He's a devil. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He hates mothers and fathers. He hates marriage. He hates holiness. He hates the Bible. He hates the church. He hates the preacher. He hates God. He hates the children of God. He schemes. He's manip- he manipulates. He harasses. He distracts. He blasphemes. He seeks and roams around seeking whom he may devour. He's a dirty, low-down, nasty, evil, no-good, murdering devil. And some of y'all have the audacity to play in his camp. And some of y'all in his camp don't even know you in his camp because you're not in touch with God or his word. Now, you know, I know I digressed a little bit, but God sent me that way. That's not even on the paper that, you know, that God just threw that in there. Because some of y'all have a misdirected allegiance. You you counting on folk that's going to let you down. But I know a God that won't let you down. I know a God who is trustworthy. Do y'all know him? I know a God who is faithful. I know a God who will come through and do like only he can do. Secondly, Jonah uh, was angry because Jonah was a preacher who lacked compassion for the lost. 
He was a preacher who lacked compassion for the lost. Jonah chapter four, verse two says, so he complained to the Lord about it. Look at him talking to God. He got an attitude. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That's why I ran away to Tarshish. Now this man was beside himself. He, this man, when I get up to heaven, I'm going to say, Jonah, what was wrong with you? He's going to probably look at me and say, what was wrong with you? We all sin and fall short. Amen. So he'll be getting on me and I'll be getting on him and we'll just break out in a big holy chuckle. Look at that. That's why I ran away, ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you are a merciful and compassionate God. Believers who are judgmental will not possess compassion when it comes to rescuing the perishing. Did you get that? Believers who are judgmental will not possess compassion when it comes to rescuing the perishing. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoso believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God sent his one and only son to rescue the perishing. That's you and me and, and all of humanity. But all humanity will not be saved because many will not place their faith and trust in him alone. But God sent light in the world. That's why we celebrate Christmas. John 3.16 is perhaps the greatest passage in the Bible. God sending his love gift to sinful man. Matthew 1.21 says he came to save his people from their sins. There was no one on earth that could fix our condition. So God dispatched his one and only son to Bethlehem, born of a virgin. Born 100% God and man to redeem us. That's why he came. God had compassion on humanity. Where Jonah did not have compassion on the Ninevites. In Psalm 78, 38, it says, but he being full of compassion forgave their iniquity. And look, this is God here. You can say that he pronoun for God, but but God being full of compassion. I'm so glad he's a compassionate God. He'd have been wiped me out and you too. Yes, you too. You you not all that. Look. And he, God, being full of compassion, forgave their iniquity. Why did he forgive their iniquity? Because of their compassion. And look, and did not destroy them. Yes, many a time he turned his anger away and did not stir up all his wrath. In other words, did not stir up all the wrath. God has wrath we have never seen. And you don't want to see it either. You know, God has, I mean, just think about that. God has wrath. I mean, did you remember the, the flood during Noah's time? That was God's wrath. Wiped out everything but those aboard the ark. He said, next time it won't be by water, it's going to be by what? Fire. Fire. Everything's going to burn up. You say, you know. The Bible tells me 
Look, so, and did not destroy them. I'm so glad God spared me in my foolishness, in my sinfulness, in my wretchedness. And you, you ought to be glad and thankful too. Aren't you thankful that God spared you? Won't you give God a hand clap of praise for sparing you? That was kind of weak. Why don't you give God a hand clap of praise for sparing you and not giving you what you deserve? Shoots. Romans 5 8 says, but God demonstrated. He put his love on, on, on display. His own love toward us. Who? You. Me. It, I like this. Now underline this part. In that while we were still sinners. God didn't, you know, God didn't say, well, I'll wait till they get right. He knew that we couldn't get ourselves right. <laughs> so in our unrighteousness, in our wickedness, in our evilness, in our wretchedness, while we were still sinners and estranged from God, he extended his compassion toward us, his mercy toward us, and saved us in spite of ourselves. God Almighty. Christ died for us. In other words, let me just put it this way. God's Love was not beyond the reach of our sinfulness and human depravity. You ought to write that down. You ought to write that down. That's rich. In other words, God's love was not beyond the reach of our sinfulness and human depravity. No one is too hard for God. No one is so wretched that God can't save them. Life circumstances uniquely affect people differently, yet God's love, grace, and mercy are limitless. The good news is God's word is uniquely sufficient. He knows what to do in every situation. He made us and he knows us better than we know ourselves. The Bible tells us to trust him, lean on him, and to acknowledge him. Whether it's a success, a setback, or a failure, no matter what it is, God will order our steps when we depend on him and him alone to uniquely perform his good and perfect work within us. Listen as Pastor Rander continues. No one is so wretched that God can't save them. God saved Saul, changed his name to Paul, and became a great soldier of the cross. And God saved you in spite of all that you have done. And I'm so thankful today that God doesn't require us to come before the church and share our dirty laundry before we can be saved. <laughs> Won't y'all say amen to that? He said, before you can be saved, you got to tell, you got to tell the church everything you did and then you can get saved. <laughs> everybody will run everybody out of here. <laughs> I'm so glad I can go to God by myself. I can go to the throne of grace by myself, just me and God, and have a little talk with Jesus. 
tell him all about it. And he will hear our faintings cry. And he will what? Somebody know that old song. He will what? He, he, does God know how to answer your prayer? He will what? Answer by and by. Feel. Little prayer wheel. Turn it. No. I mean, you, we pray enough. The fire starts. What? Burning. Just a little talk. With Jesus makes it all right. And then after a while, that song says, All right. All right. Just a little talk with Jesus. Make it what? All right. All right. Just a little talk with Jesus makes it what? That's right. Only Jesus can write this thing. <laughs> God Almighty. That's just number two. Let me get to number three. <laughs> Why was Jonah so angry? Jonah was unforgiving is why he was so angry. Verse 2b says in the text, look at Jonah. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That is why I ran away from Tarshish. So what did God didn't send another whale or a fish or something? It's amazing how Jonah had no mercy on the Ninevites when God had just delivered him from the belly of a great fish. He's so soon to forget. And that's why we're not thankful, many of us, is because we're so quick to forget. This man was still smelling like star-kissed tuna, talking like that to God. God says, do I have to re-immerse you? (laughs) If Jonah was living in pursuit of God and possessed an unconditional love for the Ninevites, he would have taken on the characteristics of his Lord. Since God was forgiving, Jonah should have emulated the same God who was forgiving toward him. Isaiah 55, 7 says, let the wicked, and those Ninevites was wicked, but that prophet was wicked too. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon, says Isaiah 55, 7. Jonah's inability to forgive is like many in the church today where you have people getting saved here at Maranatha. People getting revived here at Maranatha. People getting, saints getting delivered here at Maranatha. Saints rejoicing in the God of their salvation here at Maranatha while others leave out of the worship celebration, walk out the door discontented, bitter, sulking, complaining, resentful, and questioning things that are not right according to their own personal perspective. Much of which is born out of an unforgiving spirit. Jonah should have still been thankful for his extraordinary deliverance from the great fish. And we too should be thankful for God's grace and deliverance in our life today. Why was Jonah angry as God's prophet? Jonah should have known that God is not a respecter of person. When it comes to salvation. 
as God's prophet. He was God's prophet. Jonah should have known that God is not a respecter of persons when it comes to salvation. First Timothy chapter two, verses three and four says, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. All people are created in the image of God and his mercy is available without favoritism. God's mercy is available without discrimination. His mercy is available regardless of one's race, socioeconomic status, position, failures, or wicked behavior. As we can see in the case of the Ninevites, God loved them unconditionally and out of his infinite compassion made salvation available not only to the Ninevites, but for all who would believe and receive God's word. Verse 11 says, but Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness. More than, that's a lot of people in that town lost. And if God were to say the same thing in America, I wonder what, what kind of number would be affixed to it. How many folk are lost in America? How many folk are lost in Texas? How many folk are lost in San Antonio? How many folk are lost in Converse? Let's get even personal. How many folk are lost sitting right here at Maranatha? In spiritual darkness. Oh, you dressed up, your hair's real nice. Nice suit, nice tie, designer glasses, nice nails. But you're in darkness. You have no relationship. You can be lost in the house of God amidst the people of God, but don't have the life of God living in the soul of man. What is church membership if you don't have a relationship with Jesus? And the hardest way to go to hell is from the church house. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness, not to mention all the animals. Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? Look at that compassion. Beloved, God is sovereign and has a right to do whatever he so desires In this verse, God is teaching prophet Jonah an amazing truth that his mercy can reach anyone, even people who have sunk to the lowest depths of human depravity. God could save anyone who cries out in humble contrition. He can save. There's folk in prison have done so the most wretched thing and get saved. Get saved. Chuck Colson, bless his heart, he's with the Lord now, was, was in that uh, administration of Nixon and did some uh, wrong things, some sinful things, ended up in jail, got saved, and now he has that project, the Christmas tree project for children of inmates and all of these things. And even though he, he's gone, his work is still speaking. And you what people can remember the evil you do. But when they get saved, they don't even say, but he got saved. You, because you know why you, you judge him? Oh, he ain't saved. He just said that because he went to prison. Who 
put you in a judgment seat. Who put you in the judgment seat? Get out the judgment seat. Beloved, God is sovereign and has a right to do whatever he so desires. In this verse, God is teaching prophet John an amazing truth that his mercy can reach anyone, even people who have sunk to the lowest depths of human depravity. Second Peter three, nine says the Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some count slackness, but is long suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That all should come to hell is that bad. Hell is that bad. Hell burning and can't be burned. You'll give, you'll be given a body that's indestructible and, and won't die. Burning eternally without being consumed. Darkness. Wailing and gnashing of teeth. No peace. No water. No contentment. A, a spiritual crisis that will never go away. No Bible there. You didn't want the Bible. You won't have one in hell. You didn't want a witness. No witness in hell. Okay. God said, okay, you mad at the witness. You, when you go, no witnesses in hell. You mad at the Bible. No Bible in hell. You don't want to hear the preacher. No preacher in hell. Except those who are phony and fakes. And prosperity folk. The folk who preach on Sunday and pastors who live like hell on Monday. Yeah, hell is that bad. And God, God was doing everything to keep Nineveh from going to hell. When are you going to get that desperate to see people saved because you don't want to see them go to hell? You so mad at them? You so angry at them how could they and God looks at you and say how could you oh my God help me Lord beloved the God who judges sin is also the same God who have mercy on those who repent and cry out to him for deliverance like the wicked Ninevites in chapter 3. Absolutely no one is too hard to God, for God. And furthermore, we do not know, listen to this, we do not know the ultimate destiny of the individual souls of people. Stop saying he's going to hell, she's going to help me. You don't know. You're not in their body. You not you don't you you not in their hearts. I believe heaven's gonna be a surprising place. You're gonna say, some of these folks you got in hell, hell might be in heaven, and some of these folks you think in heaven, you're gonna be saying, Well, where is he? Where is she? <laughs> Stop judging. I said the other day, I said, here, you can put the Bible on the uh on the corpse, put a cross around them. You, put, you can say rosaries and say to our Lord's prayer on them. You, you know, if they've been living like, if they've been, if they went, uh, you know, if they went to hell just drinking and cussing and smoking, let them go, uh, uh, put them in the box with a coolers in their hand. 
You know, <laughs> they, and, and drugs and all this. What the marijuana, opium. I mean, that Bible being on that corpse don't change their destination. I said, oh, he's preaching hard. It's only the truth that's going to set you free. You think all these, you can have 50 crosses around your neck. If you, you're not saved by the blood of Jesus, you're going to hell with them 50 crosses around your decaying neck. <laughs> Therefore, we must allow God to be the judge and we must not put ourselves in the judgment seat, determine who is saved and who is lost. A person, you know, I'm going to show you how merciful God is. Thank you, Holy Ghost. This, I don't understand this. It doesn't seem fair, but, you know, God has the right to do that. There are people who can live like the devil for 80 years. And two minutes before they die. Y'all know where I'm going. They receive Christ. They cry to God. The tears flow. And they trust Christ and they say, I'm sorry for the way I lived, how I treated my wife and how I was irresponsible daddy and neglected your word. God have mercy on me, a sinner. God, would you save me? I believe in your death, burial and resurrection. And two minutes before they die, they change destiny, breathe their last, die and end up in heaven. Isn't that amazing? You say God can't do that. Oh, you right. Oh, yes, he can. Yeah, say, say it with me. Oh, yes, he can. Oh, y'all don't say that. See, y'all don't believe God can do that. Say, oh, yes, he can. Oh, y'all not saying that. Oh, yes, he can. As committed children of the only true and living God, we walk by faith and not by sight. Life on earth is not easy. Yet, even in the midst of trials and tribulations, we have joy, hope, peace, strength, and God's blessed assurance as we face trials. Best yet, we look forward to hearing our Savior say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant, and eternal life with our Lord and Savior. If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching or would like to hear this message in its entirety, please visit us at Maranatha Bible Church, located at 7855 East Loop 1604 North in Converse, Texas, or call us at 210-821-5683.